You're listening to Surfer vs. Planet, a wave changer podcast hosted by me, Tom Wilson. Each episode features inspiring talks from the creative space where surfing and sustainability meet. I'll be talking to surfers, designers, industry experts, and original thinkers, highlighting some of the fascinating work going on here in Australia and around the world with the aim of creating a greener, cleaner, and more responsible surfing industry. Wave Changer is a program of Surfers for Climate, and you can learn more about our work at wavechanger.org and surfersforclimate.org.au. The whole team at Wave Changer and Surfers for Climate acknowledge the traditional owners of country throughout Australia and recognises the continuing connection to lands, waters and community. We pay our respects to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures and to the elders past, present and emerging. Welcome Tully, lucky to have you on the show today. You've been on the, the World Surf League Longboard Tour. You're a Surfers for Climate ambassador. You're involved with Patagonia here in Manly. Um, and we're chatting here in Manly today. And you're currently studying environmental science. And I believe you were surfing this morning. Is that right? Yeah, I was uh, out at Freshwater this morning. It's nice and offshore here in Manly today. Um, and some fun little waves around too, which is always nice. You were on the longboard tour for the last two years, is that right? Uh, yeah, yeah. So I started on the longboard tour. 2019 was my first year traveling with it. Um, we got to go to a few places that year, and then obviously the world changed a little bit in 2020. Um, but last uh, 2021, um, I was also on the tour and managed to uh, escape our little bubble down here in Australia uh, on a business permit, I think it was, to get over to California um, for the longboard tour and actually ended up getting stuck there for a couple months, which was eventful. Me and my brother lived in a van in car parks and at our friends' houses, so that was good fun. Um, and then this year, yeah, we had uh, our first event was here in Manly, which was really special. And then over in Huntington for the US Open and finishing up in Malibu, which was really cool. Great. Yeah, um, I've been following the progress of, of, of you and um, there's a few other local surfers here as well involved. It's great to see Harrison and Declan doing well as well. Are they, uh, are they good friends of yours? Yeah. Um, so I actually traveled with Declan um, to America both times this year. Uh, we were really lucky to have a big fundraiser um, kind of set up by our local Malibu club, Manly Mal Club, um, which really helped us travel this year. We couldn't have really done it without them. Um, so Declan and I, we've known each other for about 10 years and surfed together a lot. So we um, actually travelled to both events together and rented cars and split all the costs, makes it a lot more doable um, and he's an amazing surfer and a really great friend. Um, and Harrison lives up in Noosa. Um, but, yeah, he's got to be one of my favourite surfers. He's super smooth and stylish and pretty much never falls off or puts a foot out of place, so can't not watch. Yeah, it's it's amazing to see that he's now the um, the world champion. And only three stops on the tour and potentially another three, maybe four next year. Yeah, definitely. Um, so we had... 
three events this year. Next year, we're looking at having four events, which is an exciting thing just to be progressing at and making the Longwood Tour a bit more of a opportunity for us to show what we can do, not just at one event or two events, but four. Um, but obviously as well, that does come with you know more traveling and um, while the Longboard Tour is where it's at, you know, you've got to be able to fund it and make sure that you can make it to those stops because the prize money at the moment doesn't exactly pay for the travel expenses, but it's all good. It's all fun. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, you've got to make sure that you can fit in work and make sure that you can make it to those events. Um, and also, yeah, I'm studying at the moment too. So I study online part-time, so it might be there till I'm 100, but I'll get it done. <laughs> um, and, yeah, I think it's just about getting the balance right and making sure that you're still making time to go surf every day and train and do the things you need to do to make sure that when you are at the event, you're there 100% and you're ready. Yeah, it, it feels like the tide might be turning um, in terms of the, the World Longboard Tour getting more exposure. And I might be biased because I've watched more of it um, in the last few years with a couple of local surfers competing. But it feels like there there's perhaps more sponsorship. Um, there's the, the live stream or the cast on YouTube or, or the World Surf League website. Do you think that the, the longboarding tour is, is picking up momentum and growing? Yeah, I think it's definitely growing. Like even just being on it, uh, since 2019, there was some changes made that year, pushing, I guess since 2019, some changes were made, um, kind of pushing more of the traditional longboarding style and writing um, single fin logs and just what people want to watch. Like when you paddle out in the lineup and see people on longboards, typically they are on a single fin longboard. And so that's, I guess, where the interest was and WSL was um seen that and pushed longboarding in that direction which I'm personally pretty stoked with uh because I really enjoy that style of surfing and I think that the surfing industry overall has really enjoyed that direction that WSL has taken and a lot of brands are getting behind supporting longboarding and making it more of a path of surfing so that's an exciting thing to be a part of that growth and a lot of people now are able to just focus on that and have people supporting them to, you know, train and surf like like a professional sports person should be able to do um, with that shift as well. So it's it's a really exciting direction to take and to think that next year we're going to have four events. It's pretty exciting considering like five years ago there was no events to one event a year. So it's pretty cool. And and maybe it just needs those baby steps of, of an extra event per year. And I'm sure that each new event will have new sponsors and, and new backing. And it's funny what you talked about earlier about, um, you know, the, the balance of everything that you've got to do and, and the, the prize money is, is maybe not uh, compared to the championship tour, not on the same level. Um, I met a guy, Tony, that was on the the World Longboard Tour. Oh, Tony Silvani. Yeah, Tony yeah. Silvani. And he was saying that, you know, his daytime job is putting out uh, deck chairs and large umbrellas at the yeah. beach in the US. Um, 
So he was just absolutely stoked to be out here. Yeah. Do you get the same buzz as well when you're overseas? Do you sort of sometimes have to pinch yourself that you're on the world longboard tour? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, Tony is an absolute legend. Probably the biggest frother I've ever met in my life. Um, he runs a surf school over in, it was on the East Coast um, of the US. And yeah, he works like ridiculous hours and days, but he just loves surfing more than anything. Um, I think he's actually over in Peru at the moment doing one of their QSs just because he loves competing. Um, so yeah, I think just the opportunity to travel and enjoy surfing and enjoy um, not only just the competitions, but the opportunity to surf with other people and travel the world doing it. It's pretty incredible. Um, and actually when we went for the last event over in Malibu, the event ran at the very beginning of the waiting period and pretty much all of the competitors didn't book flights home until the end of the waiting period. So we had about a week, everyone just kind of hanging out and going longboarding and yeah, getting dinner and just it was really cool just to enjoy everyone's company not in any kind of competitive space at all just like going surfing and I think that's almost the difference with the longboard tour as well as everyone's just mates at the end of the day um and just opportunities like that are pretty unique I think and pretty special it is important that we subscribe to the requirements of nature when you were younger did you ever dream about being a pro surfer or were there other careers life journeys that you had in mind um actually well depends what's younger because i actually didn't really even start surfing until i was like 12 or 13 I was super sporty, loved like athletics, played soccer um, and did heaps of different sports, but athletics and soccer were probably my main two. And uh, I think my parents kind of got sick of going out to the home bush for athletics carnivals with me and my brother. So my brother kind of went, oh, well, why don't we just do nippers and then you can go hang out at the beach on a Saturday morning instead of in like Penrith or something. <laughs> um, so we started nippers just doing like beach sprinting and that sort of athletics instead and even, eventually ended up finding the water and surfing and standing up on nipper boards and everything a lot more fun. Um, so then, yeah, I got pretty heavily into surfing pretty quickly from that age, but I think just with my late-ish start to surfing and um, you know, not really surfing during the week, just on the weekends for most of high school as well. Uh, I didn't really think, like, I, I really loved surfing, but I could see with social media and everything else, like, all these people that seem to have much more of a surfing life and, like, six generations of surfing before them sort of thing. And I was kind of just like, oh, this is fun, but we'll see how it goes. I just love it so much and how much I surf and how much I want to improve myself and everything um in my surfing kind of pushed me towards that direction and like I'm competitive from being a sporty kid I guess um so it kind of just pushed me in that direction but I guess if I I didn't surf I probably would have followed football into see where that would have taken me 
As in soccer? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, soccer. Because um, I was really into that and I had to kind of make a big call when I was about 16 of like, oh, I'm getting injured a lot in soccer and it's stopping me from surfing or am I, you know, just should I just stick with soccer because this is what I've been doing for the, since I was six. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I think I shocked a few people when I just turned my nose up at every other sport because I guess as well surfing's pretty solitary. You just go and do it. Whereas if you're playing soccer or doing athletics, you're doing it in front of people and people go, oh, why are you just quitting this? Mm. But there was a reason. It's just <laughs> you didn't. Yeah, well, I think you made the right decision. I mean, obviously, I, I, I like soccer as well, but I think that surfing just brings so much more. Um, and I, I reckon it's probably something you can do for longer as well. A lot of yeah. people stop playing soccer like in their 30s or 40s. Um, you know, there are frothers out there surfing in their 60s and some even in their 70s. Which yeah. um, Is that a goal for you, to be surfing for as long as you can? Oh, 100%. Um, yeah, we have a lot of really cool people in our local longboard club that really inspire me to... And surfing's a lifelong passion and even if you you know you're injured and you can't get out in the water you can go hang out with everyone down at the beach it's pretty social um and I think surfing as well has that aspect of you are you do have friends that are 70 you do have friends that are you know of all different age groups and of all life experiences that you can learn from um which is something I don't know if you get as much in other sports um so I've always enjoyed that aspect of it too who has been your biggest influence in the surfing world? Or maybe you've got more than one. It's a good question. Um, biggest influence in the surfing world is probably a few. <laughs> um, like surfing and their approach to like a surfing life, I'd say... Um, I've always really enjoyed watching Leah Dawson surf. Um, she surfs like just really, she has like a certain like femininity, I guess, and like grace in the way that she surfs and just will ride whatever board's good for the conditions and just express herself that way, um, which is really cool, I think. Same with Steph Gilmore, how she's super competitive, but she'll also just pull out a 20 at two foot Malibu and rip like just to be able to be dynamic in that way I think is really cool um Cassia too just her longboarding and Kalia's longboarding too Kalia Minis um it's always really amazing to watch um and just the way they carry themselves in the surfing world which can be kind of full-on but they just do it with they stay true to what they want to express and try and change um and i think belinda as well belinda vags who's one of the founders of surfers for climate um the way that she's kind of crossed over her amazing surfing and style with her passion in activism and made a voice for herself in both spaces um and been able to influence other people like myself to do the same I think it's really inspiring too if you want to dive deeper and learn more about the surfing industry and its relationship with the natural environment head over to our website at wavechanger.org we're adding more and more content every week 
with a more in-depth focus on our core areas, product innovation, material science, and analyzing and influencing consumer behaviors, all in the name of protecting planet Earth. We're committed to ensuring that the surfing industry is a world leader in delivering low-impact solutions. So you mentioned activism and Belinda Bags um, and your work with the Surfers for Climate. Um, that kind of ties back to you studying environmental science. Um, can you tell us a little bit about how that's going and, and perhaps what you hope to do with that knowledge once you've finished or is it too soon to say? Yeah, um, so I'm studying environmental science and management, specialising in climate and sustainability at Charles Sturt University, um, which is a online course and part-time. So it's kind of, I squeeze it in where I can. I'm over halfway, just, I think I'm about 60% of the way through it. It's maybe another couple of years to go, but I really enjoy it. I think it's really interesting like every new subject that I start I go oh this is cool this is interesting and um there's just it is a pretty broad course you do dabble in a lot of areas um but so far some of the things that have like really caught my eye within the that whole space is like science communication I think so much of environmental science like the research and the knowledge that's out there and the things that people have written huge big papers on are just written in language that is not that accessible and there's so many amazing ideas and uh, scientific you know revelations that people have discovered that aren't really known in a broader sense of you know people could have invest in that and it could be a really awesome thing that could take off but it's hidden away in a journal somewhere that no one really reads (laughs) um so I think that's a pretty incredible opportunity for growth and then also just generally like helping yeah being the bridge between the scientific knowledge and the people that can uh, implement it and so I think environmental consultation as well as communication is pretty huge. Um, but also I get really excited about things like carbon capture and like what people, what people can do with seaweed and just things like that. I find that pretty cool too. Yeah, I just saw something uh, yesterday on social media about a fully compostable seaweed hoodie. Oh, wow. Yeah, which at the moment uh, costs about $250 to buy because... Uh, of the process behind making it and you know the the infrastructure and the manufacturing process isn't set up yet to make them but you know it's we're just on the tip I think and to go back to what you said about science communication and you know so much information can get stuck in that academic world but really we need to roll it out to the mainstream and there's a lot of cool startups and incubator programs um, hackathons and right now, with sustainability being such a on-trend topic, you know, I think a while ago, not long ago, actually, environmental issues were not at the forefront as they are now. Yeah. Um, so I think it's, I totally agree. I think it's an exciting time for all these innovations and environmental initiatives that are usually overlapping with technology to be coming out. Um, and yeah, I, I think it's great that you're studying that. And that has 
that and your links with Patagonia and your surfing has all meant that you have been approached or you've worked with Surfers for Climate. The Surfer versus Planet podcast that you're listening to is an initiative of Wave Changer and Surfers for Climate. Um, so do you think that all of this aligns with your values and are you excited going forward with this relationship with Surfers for Climate? Yeah, I'm super excited about it. It really, um, it kind of just draws together my two biggest interests in a really exciting way. And I'm really excited just to be a part of it and see where it can go. Cause I think it's a huge space. Like surfers are like innately connected to the environment in, you know, they're constantly looking at what the wind's doing, what the tide's doing, more than just, you know, is it raining today sort of thing. And um, climate change is going to affect surfing, like, and the waves we surf and everything, but also way broader than that, obviously, too. Um, but I think it is an amazing space for people to get involved. And I really like their approach as well, that it has it doesn't have to be, like, super cutthroat, stop everything you're doing, you know, it's just people can take off or I think they call it drop into it where they're at and grow from there, um, which I also believe is a really important thing in the environmental space, not to overwhelm people and make them feel like they can't do anything because it's too late because it really isn't. Um, and there's so many opportunities for people to make little changes. So just being that avenue to help people get there, I think it's really important. And Cool. Yeah. And I see that you've been hosting the Salty Brains Trivia Nights, which is a, a program of Surfers for Climate, which if you haven't been to one yet, I recommend you do. And they are pub quizzes, but with a bit of a twist. And the theme is surfing questions, but also environmental themes as well. So people go along there to perhaps answer some questions. But would you say that the attendees learn stuff as well? Definitely. Um, so the questions are surfing related and also climate related. And I think quite a few of the quizzes that I've run, I've seen people's faces kind of go, Oh no, like that's, is that really the, like the fact that can't be the statistic sort of thing? Cause it often, you know, they have A, B, C or D and they get worse as they go along and like just people kind of going, Oh, I didn't realise that was the case or like even with um uh, one example I think the last trivia I ran was in Bondi and there was the question about the Vaquita dolphin. I think it's a dolphin porpoise thing. Um it's just super cute. You should have a look at a picture of one, but it's the smallest little dolphin. And it said, you know, how many of these are left in the wild because they've been um captured by fishing nets and things, which is terrible but and it was like 1,000, 10,000, like six or something. And it was six. And everyone was just devastated. Wow. And just things like that that people might otherwise not know about the plight of the poor little porpoise in, I think it's in Mexico or something. But, you know, just to open people's eyes to the things that they might otherwise not know or learn about, it's a really good tool, I think. Yeah, and it goes back to what you said about science communication, um, mm -hmm. making it accessible and making it fun. And I think that we've been fed, and we probably still are through the media, a lot of like bad news about the climate, which is 
which has its place. We do need to be kind of warned, but I think that making it fun and cool and and bringing in those elements of design and innovation, I think gets people excited. What would be your ideal eco surfboard if you had no limits and you could design it yourself, you could make it with whatever you want? I think like there's definitely heaps of opportunity for this sort of thing. Um, and I really look forward to seeing where it goes. But I always get, like as I mentioned before, I get really excited about anything with seaweed. Um, so I think if you could make, because it just grows so quickly, captures heaps of carbon, it's really easy to grow. Um, I think if you could make blanks out of seaweed or like mushrooms, I've seen some people who are doing that, um, with like a eco resin and just everything that's you know not using super toxic harmful chemicals would be ideal. Um, and I ride for FCS and I recently did a uh, little short film project with them up in Coffs Harbour and they are starting to make fins and tail pads out of recycled plastics collected on the beaches up in Coffs. Um, there's a Indigenous Rangers actively collecting plastic off the beaches up there and turning them into little nodules. The nodules are melted down and FCS are making fins and leashes and stuff like that out of them, which I think is super cool because they've obviously, you know, they're, they're still making a big effort to make sure that technically they're high-performance equipment and they work, um, but also it's like, why not? It's, it's base materials there. It needs to be taken out of that environment and it's you know, relatively an easy procedure to do. So things like that get me excited. <laughs> For more than 30 years, the science has been crystal clear. Entire ecosystems are collapsing. Personally, I think the most difficult design challenge is the waterproofing um, because uh, things can be made out of seaweed and mushrooms um, but then the nature of surfing with waterproofing and the sun damage and you know the constant pressure and your board getting thrown in the air and chucked over the falls um, so that's what I think is is going to be the biggest challenge because the bioresins are having more and more plant content yeah. I think maybe 10 years ago they said that they might have had like 15, 20% and now there's some that are as high as about 50%. So you talked about seaweed. Have you seen or heard anything recently that gives you hope for the future for planet Earth? For example, the, the seaweed hoodie, um, something like that? Um, with the seaweed, so recently, it's two things really. Recently I um, was talking with some friends on the north coast who used to live in Freshie and they make a range of skincare products out of seaweed their brand's called Sea Shanty um, and I think that's pretty awesome to incorporate all the natural things of seaweed into skincare and that's going really well for them it's really cool and the products are great um, but also Sam Elsom he's found that Seaweed, when fed to cows, reduces their methane production. Yep, yep. Um, so just things like that, when people discover something like that and the amazing things that that could lead to, 
Um, and Sam's currently talking at COP27 and sharing his findings and business with the world, which is super exciting as well for that. Obviously, you're on the World Longboard Tour, and not to put any pressure on you or the World Surf League, but do you think the World Surf League could do anything else with regards to regulating the surfboards or the materials used in surfboards? Because that's a conversation that comes up quite a lot with with them doing uh, equal salary and WSL Pure, so they're, they're ticking off a few of the, the, the key things as a governing body should do. But do you think the materials in the surfboards might be regulated anytime soon? Uh, I think that there's definitely, I wouldn't say it would be out of the question for the future. I think they would get on board with something like that if a technology came out that didn't force surfers uh, to sacrifice the performance element of the equipment that they're riding. But I do agree that if you know, there was an option out there that matched all the technical specifications of, you know, what foam is doing now and everything, um, that an organisation like the WSL promoting that that option is available and that it works under the feet of the world's best surfers would definitely give that material a huge push. You know, I'd, I'd be excited to be paddling out there and performing, you know, on the tour with a material and proving that you know if some of the world's best surfers can ride with this material and still perform then why can't everybody because mm. it's you know technically doing the same job i think we're getting there i think it's and with a lot of things example i always give is uh, the mining industry and coal and gas versus renewables such as solar and tidal um it's a bit of a transition rather than just shutting one down straight away. I think mm-hmm. that if we can chip away at it, and I, I feel like that is happening in fringe areas in the surfing industry. Mm-hmm. Just to wrap things up now, we're going to hang five, which is five quick fire questions. And we ask the same questions to each guest every week. Number one, what got you interested in your environmental journey? I think what got me interested in environmental activism was when I was about 13, I was on a boat diving with the whale sharks in Ningaloo Reef, which I was very lucky to be doing. Um, and the marine biologist took about 10 minutes at the end of the day just to give everyone about five simple things that they could do wherever they lived around the world to help protect the whale sharks. And I just thought that was really cool the way that she could, you know, inspire everyone to just take some small changes to help preserve what we'd all been so inspired by all day, just watching them gracefully swim through pristine water um, and just to see that you could make a difference. Number two, who inspires you the most from the environmental world? Um, I kind of mentioned it before, but Bindi's definitely a huge inspiration for me in the way she's tied together her surfing career and environmental activism. So Bindi being Belinda Bax. Yes. yes. Number three, what's the coolest response to the environmental crisis that you've seen? I think just the innovative ideas that people come up with and then bring to scale, such as the seaweed um, bringing down the methane levels emitted by livestock. Um, I think that's just super cool. And to think that there's probably so many more 
things like that that exist that people are just uncovering now. It's pretty inspiring. Yeah. Number four, your favourite marine animal. Can't go past a big humpback whale doing a flip right in front of you when you're in the water. I think that's incredible. And finally, number five, can you give us one word or sentence that inspires others to keep going on their environmental journey? Whilst everybody can make a huge contribution individually to fighting the climate crisis, um, it's best to do it, to team up with people with like-minded ideas because we're more powerful and as a front united in fighting the climate crisis and just helps you believe that we can make a difference. Hey, thanks for the great chat, Tully. Can't wait to see what comes next with your surfing and your environmental journey. Really appreciate your time. All the best next year in the upcoming tour. Thanks so much for having me and I'm really stoked to be a part of Surface for Climate and the Wave Changer Movement. Thanks for listening and remember to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. If you'd like to support our work at Wave Changer, head over to our website at wavechanger.org and we hope you'll consider buying a membership for our Wave Changer Club which features giveaways, entries into our monthly draw with amazing prizes and access to a bunch of great discounts from our partner brands. Your support allows us to expand our impact and make an even bigger difference to safeguarding our planet. See you next time.